Thank you, Tim. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Sia, as Tim said, and I lead Kids Church up in Kloof. And also get to start a youth up there uh, sometime this year. All been really exciting. Uh, but I get to continue on our But God series today. And if you've been coming for the past couple of weeks, uh, it's really been probably one of the most, I suppose, uh, foundational series in our church. Because it, what it does is it stirs up expectation in our hearts for the future. It builds a faith in God to see what, what is the next big thing that God is going to do. Uh, it, lead, it leads us to believe that the best is still yet to come. And if you weren't here for the first uh, installment, uh, Ross interviewed a guy called Sandesh. Incredible story. I'd encourage you to listen on the podcast. Uh, but really what it is is a, a guy chose to follow God. Everything didn't go so well. Uh, he lost everything. But God, who was faithful to him, uh, is now restored what he lost, and then some. He now runs a restaurant. He's now going to plant three more restaurants somewhere in Durban. Uh, it's a beautiful story. Go listen to the podcast. And last week, Gary spoke about faith, what it is, what it does in our hearts. How can we get more of it? Um, how can we access it regularly? And really, his closing thought was that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, that that's should be the posture of our hearts. They want to fix our eyes on Jesus. As simple as that. So today, I get to continue on this series and speak on uh, a story that really is a story of a little bit of grit and a whole lot of God's grace. And uh, I'm hoping that you get to uh, pull out some biblical truth from it as well, and I'm hoping that it's fun. So there are three things that you're allowed to do while I preach that won't scare me, or things that you're allowed to say. Number one, you can say amen. <laughs> Number two, you can say preach it. And number three, you can say, ride that bus. <laughs> we don't know what it means, but we like it. Um, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. Uh, and then I'm going to pray for us afterwards. It reads thus. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then we're going to jump to chapter 16, uh, verse 1 to 5. It's, it reads thus. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had a, an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarah, <laughs> Abram's wife, um, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Uh, it had been 10 years since they'd been in the land Canaan. 
land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with her. It's always weird when you say sex in church. <laughs> um, but Hagar, so when Hagar fell pregnant, uh, she began to treat her mistress, mistreat her mistress, I mean mistreat Sarah uh, with contentment. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Let's just pause there for a minute. I'm not going to say anything. You can infer everything. I'm just going to pause. <laughs> I like that a woman said that. Men, say nothing. <laughs> uh, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's, who's wrong between you and I. Wow. Um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to continue on. This, we definitely need to pray after that. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for these moments so we can come into your house, hear your word, uh, have faith stirred up within us, Jesus. Won't you speak ever so clearly to our hearts? Won't you remind us again of your uh, unfailing faithfulness? And above all, thank you, God, that the bulls beat the sharks yesterday. In your name we pray. Amen. Too soon? All right. I don't know if you've ever let someone down. I had someone let you down. Anyone? Should be everyone in this room. Um, but those two contrasts or those two things cause a negative reaction within us. Because see, when you've let someone down or you've been let down, your natural response then is to either trust someone less or you are trusted less. Um, I'm reminded of a story when I was younger, maybe like 10 years old. So my dad was a diehard soccer supporter and soccer player. He just lived and breathed soccer. He supported this team called Kaiser Chiefs. Um, and because he was my dad, I also supported a team called Kaiser Chiefs. The whole house supported a team called Kaiser Chiefs. And uh, I remember the one time we were watching the one game and they were in a final. After regulation time, it had ended in a draw. Extra time, still ended in a draw. So I had to go to penalty shootouts. And Chiefs was, was shooting second, so they had a bit of an advantage. Um, so the, it came down to the last penalty kick. Now, I don't know if you know a guy named Dr. Kumal. Yeah. So he was infamous around the whole soccer nation for missing penalty kicks. <laughs> like, that was the one thing that he could not do. Um, so when the camera zoom went on him, and now he's about to take that last penalty, this is the deciding penalty kick. I'm not even lying to you, my dad just said, where? <laughs> and he said, I can't, I, I just can't, obviously in Zulu. So he then turns his back and leaves. <laughs> like he walks, the most important game, he just walks out. <laughs> he scored, but that's not the point. So he won. But I feel like for most of us in this room, we feel like that's how God reacts to us. When we step up to the plate, when it's our turn to do something for him, his response is, where? <laughs> he turns his back on us. I haven't been alive for very long. I haven't been saved for very long. But there's one thing that I do know, is that God will never turn his back on anyone and he's not about to start with you. 
Hey, Mike. <laughs> I don't know what you have come in uh, this morning, this evening, believing about God. But I want to go after this thing of uh, believing that God will turn his back on you because of the things that you've done, because of your history, because of your track record. You're infamous for getting things wrong. That's fine. He did one thing right on the cross. That's fine. God is still going to work with you. He's not about to turn his back on you. For one simple reason, he is faithful. And he's for you, always and forever. So here's Abram. God says, I'm going to give you your son. And Abram, in that moment, full of faith, holds on to God's promise. And we can maybe, I'm going to exercise some poetic license, it happened out in the wilderness somewhere. So Abram, full of faith, holding on to a promise, goes home, about to tell his wife, hey, yo, girl, um, (laughs) the Lord has said to me. But before he could get the words out, Sarah's like, before you finish your sentence, I have an idea. I haven't been, been able to have a son. You, you need a son. We need an heir. Here's Hagar. And Abraham was like, well, the, the, the child will still be mine, really. God will still do something. So if the, God says, I'm going to give you a son, and I have a son through Hagar, it's still a son. So therefore, I mean, Abraham's like, I might as well. It's, my wife suggested it. So... <laughs> But there's something that happens in that moment. See, holding on to God's promise can sometimes require patience and faith in God. Hagar, I mean, (laughs) Abram, holding on to God's promise, gets home and experiences convenience. See, it was more convenient for him to have a child with Hagar. It was easier for him to have a child through Hagar. And in that moment, we might imagine that he experienced letting God down. So he might maybe have believed that God is no longer going to use him or going to give him the son that he had always promised him. He might have believed that God had put his hands on his head and turned his back on him. See, for 13 years, from that moment, God says nothing. God doesn't speak doesn't move. He's silent. What must be going through Abram's head? I've messed this whole thing up. Because of the thing that I've done, God can no longer move. Because of my performance, God's promise will no longer be real to me. I wonder what God is thinking in those moments. But let's look at his response quickly. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 to 8, says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am at El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Wait a minute. God, are you not going to address what just happened? Abram was unfaithful. Are you just going to skim over the fact that his performance might have affected 
the, or delayed the delivery of your promise. So God is far more concerned with the condition of our hearts than the, the, the deeds of everyday life. He wanted to remind Abraham that even, or show him, that even regardless of his unf- lack of faith or unfaithfulness, he is still faithful. He is still exactly who he was 13 years ago. Our actions cannot change God, but his actions can change us. So the story continues on. It says this. At this, Abraham fell down on the ground. 13 years of silence has led him to this moment where his only response is to get on his knees. His only response is to look at the goodness of God. His only response is, this thing is far bigger than me. So he falls down to his knees. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. (laughs) Hashtag name change. (laughs) It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham. Abram, in the original Hebrew, means exalted father. But Abraham means a father of nations. See, what God was doing in that moment was reminding Abram of his faithfulness, not of his lack of faith. So every single time Abraham hears his name called, he cannot help but think of the goodness and faithfulness of God because that is just who he is. See, when you let God change your name, if you hear your name is John and he changed your name to Jablani, just go with it. (laughs) His ways are higher than our ways. (laughs) Uh, it goes on to say this, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will come from them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It'll be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Man, I'm picturing Abraham asking himself, why is God so faithful? Why now? Why at this moment? Why after all the things that I've done, he still chooses to be faithful? Why? Why, God? 2 Timothy 2 gives us the answer. And really, it's the foundation of this whole message. And it says this, 2 verse 13. If we are are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Here's what that means. God cannot help but do exactly what he said he's going to do in spite of you and I. That's who he is. So regardless of how well I do or how badly I do, he is faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. See, it's in his nature to do one thing, and that's be good to his people. So that promise that he made with Abraham still covers us today. It's still for us today. 
It's in his nature. It's in his DNA. He cannot deny who he is. It is a divine impossibility for God to do anything less than what he said he will do. You know that verse, for nothing is impossible for God? I believe there's one thing that is impossible for God. He cannot deny who he is. It's impossible. Because he is faithful. Now, I don't know where you might find yourself this morning, this evening. Why do I keep saying morning? But I want to speak to a few people tonight. Maybe you fall into one of these categories. But you might be here today, and you might have uh, had this mentality that God will only move if you move. God's faithfulness will only abound to you if you do all the right things at the right time for the right reasons in the right season. I have some good news. You're not that powerful. You cannot change what God is going to do. He is sovereign. He's going to do exactly what he's going to do. And those things aren't bad. Waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, have a devotion for two hours, go for it. Do what you need to do. But if it's through the mindset or through the scope of, if I don't, then God won't, then you, we're wrong. You're wrong. We're failing. God is going to move. Those things are good, but in the wrong mindset are bad. Can hurt us before they ever help us. So if you're here and you're thinking, man, God will only move when I. God is always going to move regardless of. He's always going to do what he's going to do in your life regardless of what you do. Because of what he has done, the posture of our hearts is, then we will. So because he is exactly who he is, I will. Because he is always faithful, I will. Our response is, I will. Not that, if only, then he will. He is, so we will. Or perhaps um, you might be thinking, well, if God is always faithful then there's no need for me to be faithful. Good question and good thinking. However, Abram's story gives us a, a glimpse into something that we might have missed. So here's the undeniable truth, and you might believe this or not, but I, I believe all people either believe in God or put their faith in something else. All of us here have faith in something and put our faith in something. See, Abraham in the wilderness held on to the promise of God, gets home and put his faith in his wife, in convenience, in an outcome, in a circumstance. And the thing about those things is they are faithful to hurt you. They're faithful to let you down. They're faithful to break you. But the thing about God is that he has never hurt anyone. He has never let anyone down and he's not about to start with you. I find that if that doesn't do you any good, there is reward in putting our faith in God. What reward? I'm not talking about physical stuff. I'm not talking about goods, material things. But the reward is a greater faith in who he is. See, Abraham, when he experienced the faithfulness of God, he could not help but get to his knees. And if you continue on with the story, you'll know that Abraham, after he experiences God's faithfulness, the fruit of that is that he was then faithful. 
our faithfulness is a byproduct of kneeling at the feet of Jesus, at fixing our eyes on Jesus, at looking at him who is always faithful. It's a byproduct. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. It comes as we kneel at the feet of God. Oh, fine. You might be thinking then, um, what about... Um, what about sin? For many of us today, for some reason, it's still the one thing that always keeps knocking at our door. Man, I, God can't work in me if I've still got sin in my life. God can't be faithful in me if I've still got sin in my life. God can't move if I've still got sin in my life. I want to tell you right now that Jesus died for all of that once for all time. He hung on a cross nailing your sin and mine once for all time. Sin is no longer the issue. It has been defeated. It is dead. When Jesus said it is finished, he did not forget about us. He did not forget about you. See, the devil seeks to do one thing, remind you of your past. But God seeks to do another thing, point you to your future. Because it is far greater, far better, because it's with him. If you put your faith in God, our future is ever brighter because of who he is. Because step by step, we experience the faithfulness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that he, God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. It is finished. Sin is no longer the issue. I pray that God breaks that mentality right now. In Jesus' name. You are forgiven, loved, righteous, called, redeemed, set free. And you have clear access to the faithfulness of God, regardless of what you do. We are his heirs. We are his children. We can come to him exactly as we are, no matter what we've done or no matter what we do, and kneel at his feet. Cry if we need to cry. Laugh if we need to laugh. But his faithfulness will begin to change us. God is faithful. God is always faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. The history of the Bible is riddled with evidence of this. Whether it's the Israelites in the desert who failed to trust God consistently over and over through the 10 tests that he puts them through. But God, who is faithful to keep his word, allows them or enters them into the promised land 
a land flowing with milk and honey, for he cannot deny who he is. Or Samson, uh, who marries Delilah, giving into lust or marrying outside of what the law allowed, and did the one thing that God told him not to do. But God, who is faithful, in Samson's dying breath, took out more Philistines than in his entire life because God cannot deny who he is. Or David, who uh, had an affair with a lady named Bathsheba and then had her husband killed. But because God had promised that David's children would always be sitting on the throne, but God, who is always faithful, redeems that situation and gives David a son named Solomon through the same woman that he had an affair with because he cannot deny who he is. Or Jonah, who when God says, go and preach to the Ninevites that they might repent and um, escape judgment per se, Jonah's like, I I can't do that. 4,000 kilometers the opposite direction, gets stuck in a storm, but God sends a whale to rescue Jonah And Jonah goes and preaches the gospel in Nineveh. And the people are saved because God cannot deny who he is. Or a little bit closer to home, a young boy. His name is Sia. God says that you have a great call on your life. But because he's stuck in his own ways, his own dream, his own vision, takes three, four years meandering on this earth, making mistakes, doing all the wrong things. People still speaking, hey, God has a call on your life. Don't miss it. Eventually, something shifts because God is always faithful and he steps into the one job that he loves more than anything in the entire world. The one job God promised him, the one job God has called him into because God cannot deny who he is. I don't know where you find yourself this evening, what story you might be journeying through. Maybe you're disqualifying yourself from God's faithfulness because of your past performance. But I want to tell you this evening that God's faithfulness does not depend on our performance. It depends on his promises. Because he cannot deny who he is. Now I'm not saying that there's no consequence for sin. There absolutely is consequence for sin. But God doesn't cause consequence. That's our own actions, but he can redeem those consequences. God can use those for his good, for his people. There's a verse in 2 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy 2 verse 11. This is, is it 11? No, it's 12. It says, if we endure hardships, hardship, we will also reign with him. That word endure doesn't mean suffer through. It means stay. If we stay in him, if we stay in him, we will also reign with him. No matter how bad things get, no matter how tough things get, no matter how uh, impossible it may seem, just stay. No matter how much you want to give up, no matter how much you're starting to believe that God is no longer faithful because of your performance, just stay. Stay. God is 
working. If you're in your 13 years of silence, just stay. Just stay. He is always faithful. He is always faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. It's in his nature. So when we leave this evening, I don't want you to think of, oh, what's the one, two, three things that I can do? Just stay. Stay in him. Stay in him. That should be the posture of our hearts. From here on out, I'm going to stay. See, Abraham's story is a story about a whole lot of grit, or a little bit of grit, or a whole middle bit of grit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a story about grit. And when he endured his 13 years, he experienced a whole lot of God's grace. And that the same is true for you this evening. If we stay in him, we will also reign with him. Come on, let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are always faithful, for you cannot deny who you are. I pray that the posture of our hearts from this evening is that we will stay in you. Stay in your promise. Stay in your word. Stay in your goodness and your love that is always for us, God. Won't you begin to shift something within us, Jesus, as we draw closer and closer to you? The lies that we've begun to believe about our performance, disqualifying us from your promise, I break those right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we will just stay in you. In your name, amen.